Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast and part two of your Week in IndyCar listener Q&A coming out of a indescribable Nashville Music City Grand Prix. Glad it's behind us. Oh boy, there's still lots to talk about. I think we covered off the vast majority of the big bombastic items in part one that went up on Monday, so hopefully you get a chance to listen to that. Recording this here on a Tuesday night at 8.22 p.m., and we'll try and get through this ASAP. So that's the goal. Going to say thank you, as always, to Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, and TorontoMotorsports.com. As always, big thanks to you as well for sending in these great questions. Our man Jim Kaiser, who puts them together for me, I think I got to send him all kinds of stuff. Uh, Just a huge thank you. This week's post Nashville Q&A has been a monster chore, but he has absolutely uh, done an amazing job as usual. One or two more very quick notes, and then we're going to rock and roll. In just, yeah, Monday and now most of Tuesday, including stuff that I heard over the weekend, leading into the weekend, might need to get a part three of our Racer.com Silly Season update moving quickly. Um, Hmm. Interesting stuff. (laughs) A lot of interesting stuff going on. So uh, with everything that's been taking place at home over the last week and a half, uh, as we've shared with uh, what we're dealing with again with the return of breast cancer, we are, I think we're in a, I think we're in a positive place to move forward. And having gone into this at length last week about what's going on and, and whatnot, uh, won't waste your time with that again here. Do know that, again, I'm still struggling to keep up with the really beautiful and sweet notes of encouragement and uh, offer of prayers and so many other things that continue to come in every day. Did want to just share that we are, are going to be victorious in this. This is our third third instance of having to fight this and we uh we are fighters that's one of the traits of my wife and i as a couple my wife chabrell so we're going to fight this we're going to keep fighting this and keep fighting this until it just gets tired of getting beaten up so that's the plan Uh, i think we're in a pretty good place in terms of what we want to do uh, courses of treatment and all kinds of things it's kept our lives very busy uh, behind the scenes. So means that chasing down silly season leads and some of the other stuff that I mentioned in part one, having to park some of that and put it where it belongs. And as things start to settle down a little bit and we can start to build a new routine, with this new fight and everything else that we're trying to do. Hopefully things will recede a little bit, a little bit more free time, not just time on the clock, but mental time, mental clarity will start to return. So tell you what, that's (laughs) for those who've noticed or would care, one of the ways that I try to purge, negativity, frustration, whatever. I haven't been as active on social media as I 
normally would be, but of late, been doing my best to just let little things out, share little bursts of whatever, and it helps. It just helps kind of blow off a little bit of mental steam and get back to whatever it is that I need to focus on. So that's what's going on at home. Uh, still going to be pretty busy for us for a while. Uh, I'm hoping, hoping, hoping I have all appendages crossed that I will indeed be able to go down to WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca this weekend for the Monterey, uh, what is it, the Monterey Rolex Motorsports Reunion, something along those lines. I get the words jumbled up a little bit there. Do as I always do, do some in-car video, in-car audio, uh, just be around folks. It'll be my first time at a racetrack, again, if everything goes according to plan, while the pandemic is still a thing and there's serious numbers of people. So I'm still trying to figure that out. For those of you who maybe you've done a lot of motor races or however many over the last year, year and a half with COVID, uh, don't be afraid to send me notes and say, hey, think about this, think about that. I'm having a game plan, some stuff here, because the last thing I can do is get sick and then bring that home and expose my wife with her uh, compromised immune system. So I'll be masked up, I'll be everythinged up, but any little tweaks or hacks you might suggest uh share them on social media hit the marshall pruitt podcast website use the contact page or dm me or whatever um and last little note from the previous episode and i've been mentioning quite a bit this Day listener group just folks who i guess like the show with bad taste they've seemed to like the show and what we do here uh, they've come together and just congregate and have fun and there was a bunch of uh, members of the group that got together at Nashville, uh, met up with the one driver in the group, Alex Palo, our current IndyCar championship leader, who's a legitimate card carrying. He has a Day hard card credential. Um, member of the group. And uh, yeah, so if you want to have some fun, if you're either looking for some new friends or looking to just bench race or enjoy silly memes and, and whatnot, uh, drop me a note again. You can uh, reach me through the contact page or social media, and I'll connect you with uh, a number of the folks that help bring happiness and fun there. So, all right, a little bit of music bed, and what are we doing? We are opening up with our man Matt Philpot, who by chance happens to be one of the leaders of the Pruday uh, Army? Um, volunteer Corps? I don't know. Uh, whatever it, I still haven't figured out what to call him. Matt opens things up. We got a couple of questions here on Aero McLaren SP. By chance, although I, this happens every year, so it'll be really good, but I'm going to get to spend some time with our man, an uh, old friend of mine, long before he was the McLaren F1 or McLaren Racing CEO, Zach Brown. Uh, he's pretty much always in attendance at this event, and we do fun stuff with video and just catching up. So, Hopefully I'll get to do a little bit of a dive with Zach about this deeper than what I've written about. Also keeping in mind, he's just there to enjoy. So you don't want to be the jerk trying to get him to talk about work all the time. So Matt says the Aero McLaren SP news of McLaren's investment seems like a really big deal. Is it as big of a deal as my fanboy brain thinks it is? Uh, and Shauna Oakwood uh, Daniel Espinosa and Robbie Bergeron, you've got other questions on the topic here. I'll get to in just a moment. This is huge, Matt. This really is. Couple things on background or a little background stuff. 
have heard for many years now, many, many years, that my old pal, former employer, my last year of working in IndyCar as a crew member, Sam Schmidt, has been exploring opportunities to, if not sell everything that he owns, sell a, a big majority. And that's what he has done. Now, when I've asked him, I don't know when the recent, most recent was, maybe last year, then maybe the year before, about, hey, keep hearing the, the rumors that you'd love for someone to buy you out and take this uh, team on, knowing that he is co-owner with Rick Peterson. He's always denied it, and fair point, fair play, fair whatever, if that's his choice. But you don't keep hearing rumors about a desire to be bought out and then get bought out without there having been a little bit of truth to this. So have known that Sam has sought something like this. I think the timing is perfect. This relationship between Air McLaren, I'm sorry, between McLaren racing and Sam and Rick, I think has reached its, I don't know if I should say maximum potential as is, but I don't know how much farther they could go with McLaren being nothing more than a partner, a 0% ownership. Of course, we're going to talk and you're going to take our input and we bring some serious sponsorship and we look after the Aero Electronics account. So therefore, we're kind of managing the team's big sponsor along with the other sponsors we've brought on. So we've got a lot of say, but ultimately we have a 0% ownership stake and therefore... We could be overruled and or things that we think need to be done to take this team to the next level and potentially either could be vetoed or I think this is maybe the bigger takeaway, Matt. Why would you make massive investments in something someone else owns? If you've come very far in a non-financial partnership and to get to the potentially beating the Penske's, Ganassi's, and Dreddy's, joining the big three, expanding it to the big four, or who knows, maybe displacing one of those long-term big three part- uh, members. If you're going to go that far, right? If you're going to completely renovate someone's house, you probably want to own some or most of that house, maybe even all of that house. It'd be silly to invest that much and then potentially end up with nothing when you're done so i think that's maybe the tipping point we came to matt we're gonna go bigger and better to do that we're gonna want to own a pretty significant portion of this and that's what has happened add in the sam looking to sell rick being more than amenable to that i don't know what the numbers are the terms the whatever's Hopefully, I'll get a glimpse of uh, what it might have uh, paid out, but perfect timing. I think the infrastructure that's been built, a lot of the managerial changes, uh, the driver roster, the run down the list, it's a lot of things that have been improved over the last two years. And this just strikes me as the, okay, now we really get to mash the throttle incorporate some serious engineering and technology resources from McLaren Racing. Not saying that they held them back over the last two years. Not saying that at all, but 
it's very different to say, okay, well, we're going to make X number of people available. We're going to share in some of these things versus, well, now we own the majority of it. Okay, that's a different plan of attack and a much higher allocation of resources. So this is where I think things are going to get fun, Matt, and can't wait to see where they head. Also, just to to park your question and move on to Shauna's, 75% ownership stake. How long do I think it will be until it becomes 100%? Uh, Not totally sure, but I don't feel like it's going to be years and years and years until this is 100% McLaren's. Obviously, Rick and Sam would have to agree to that, want that to happen, feel like uh, they can move on to other things in life. Who knows if they would be kept on that new oversight board, even if they no longer have a ownership stake. But uh, I think the point's coming in the near future where McLaren, it's going to be McLaren Racing and Aero McLaren Racing or something along those lines. And make me sad to not have Sam there and not have Rick there, but uh, you don't sell 75% of your business if you plan on being there forever. Uh, Shauna says, hey, after McLaren's announcement, what does this mean for Sam and Rick? Hope to get a bigger understanding of that. I do know that with what Sam is doing away from the racetrack, with what he is doing with his spinal injury rehabilitation facility, I believe it's called Drive in Las Vegas, it is giant and big and meaningful uh he's been it's been you know year year and a half two however long but since we started having some uh, mobility issues of our own at home he was on the phone very quickly to offer a lot of advice and suggestions and uh, and whatnot with some of the things that we've been having to try and overcome so uh, know that he's been doing good work there on top of that, the SAM project, uh, his own mobility project, been building from day one with Arrow. Kids growing up, daughter getting married, son recently turning 22 and such. I do wonder if the heavy, heavy travel for so many years after being an IndyCar team owner for 20 years now, I do wonder if we're not too far away from a point in time where Sam says, hey, I love it. I'm never going to stop loving it. But me being on the road constantly for this, maybe not so much. So I do wonder if other business priorities and family priorities in Sam's life might start to uh, earn the majority of his time. As for Rick, truly don't know. But things that I hope to find out in the very near future, Shauna. Uh, Daniel, you say, what type of driver would Aero McLaren SP want in their third car? Does anyone in the current IndyCar driver lineup meet the criteria? Daniel, I always appreciate your questions. Why? You ask good ones, and they make me think, and I often don't have an answer at hand. So, to try and be a vaguely smart monkey, I'm going to take a look through the existing lineup of full-time, even part-time drivers, and try and think about who might be free for next year in 22 
And then after that, 23. Wet my whistle a little bit here with more uh, more water. Uh, yeah. Renus VK should be up and available for hire roughly this time next year, or at least in serious negotiations. Uh, we'll see what happens with Ed Carpenter Racing. Renus coming off not a great weekend, a uh, little bit of a humbling weekend, but we know how good he is. Uh, I think he's only going to continue to develop in that direction. But if we look at the money and resources available uh, coming to this McLaren majority-owned Aero McLaren SP team, there's just simply no way an Ed Carpenter Racing can match that whatsoever. So I'm not even talking salary or whatever Renus might be offered. Just saying that for where Aaron McLaren SP is going, I think that's going to be a pretty seriously enticing home for some to continue. In Arenas's case, nothing that I know of in terms of his contractual availability for next year. So with Zach mentioning they'd like to, you know, they'd be open to doing it next year if they can find the right driver, and if not, then 23 for sure. I think there's pretty obvious reason why that phrasing existed, Daniel. And that's because, hey, who's not available in 22 but could be in 23? Alexander Rossi. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, obviously VK. Could there be, you know, I don't know Pelot's contractual terms, but could there be a couple of young stars Definitely capable of delivering and producing and getting them wins, if not championships? I think so. So if it were to happen for next year, that's that's the question mark, right? Would they hire a driver who doesn't exactly fit the criteria just to have a car on track? I don't think so. That certainly wouldn't fit not only what they've said, but the character of what they're trying to do. Uh, No disrespect whatsoever to Oliver Askew, but he ended up not being a good fit for who they learned that they wanted. As a rookie last year, trying, as we know, very trying time. Just as the year went on, something where the idea of what they wanted as a teammate for Pato did not manifest. And we know that there are some other problems that took place and, you know, there's a whole long thing backstory to it all. Even if there were no crashes, no concussion symptoms, and even if none of that was in place, I think they would have changed him out for someone. It ended up being Felix Rosenquist. I think a change was going to happen nonetheless. Less. And it's not a finishing record and whatever type cold decision. I think it's a little more of that intangible feel thing, Daniel. Just didn't click with what they ended up wanting. Hoped he would, didn't. So would they go after and get someone who doesn't quite fit just to run a car? No. If we go off of very recent history... That would be a pretty significant conflict 
of what they've stated to be interested in. Now, could they look outside of IndyCar? I know you asked about IndyCar specifically. Could they look outside? Of course. Going to mean a project, right? Whomever is going to come in outside of IndyCar is going to need to learn ovals, going to need all learn all the tracks. So just doesn't stand out to me as something that they would do for next year. So unless there's some giant talent that we are like, wow, how did you become available? Um, I don't know if they would roll the dice. You could look to IMSA, some of the drivers there potentially, uh, Felipe Nazar, uh, who knows, maybe a couple others as well. Again, uh, good folks, but I don't know if they have the level of intrigue that McLaren seems to covet in drivers. So betting person, unless someone comes out of left field that really surprises us, uh, I think we're going to be talking about two full-time cars next year. And then a lot of talking to driver managers and politicking and seeing who they can get that really makes them fired up for 23. Uh, Robbie Berger, and you closed this Air McLaren SP opener uh, with, hey, Marshall, do you see any problems with having a five-person board running Air McLaren SP? says, I feel like the potential for hurt feelings and drama to be high. Uh, also says, continue to pray for you and your wife. Thank you, Robbie. Seriously, thank you, man. So this is the McLaren model, right? There's a board of directors there. There's a very senior advisement approach to how they do things. Now, does that mean everything is uh, a vote? And, well, it's three to two or four to one or whatever. Um, No, it doesn't. Uh, There's a CEO in place by the name of Zach, and with this team now having new majority owners, um, I would say for sure there will be very strong discussions. Obviously, Taylor Kyle continuing to run the team and doing an excellent job. But, yeah, McLaren, you know, they're, they're very much about getting smart folks together and trying to come to a consensus. But I would not mistake this for something going to the McLaren Senate floor and uh, uh, all kinds of silliness going on there. Um, I just trust in the fact that a board doesn't necessarily mean you lack uh, a hierarchy within that board. And there are voices for sure that are going to ring louder and have final says. And in areas where maybe the senior most people, the most powerful folks, Robbie, a little on the fence hey should we go with this driver that should we do this should we do that definitely that's where you're seeking a lot of advisement but otherwise you know like anything uh if you have multiple people contributing to the overall solution if someone brings an idea and is super passionate about it and also wields some power you know are they sitting down really uh asking the other four, if they, if the team should do the thing or can do the thing, or right, it's the old uh, asking uh, asking your assistant to get you a coffee 
you know, are you truly asking them if they would be willing to do that? Or are you politely delivering instructions? <laughs> it's the latter. It's the latter option. So, yeah, I'm not concerned about this at all. The other thing I would say, Robbie, to uh, finish this off and move on to another thread, I'm unaware of there being any, you know, permanent appointments uh, to the board. If someone is or isn't delivering quality thoughts, feedback, constructive criticism or otherwise, uh, I would absolutely believe that a new person could be in place to keep that a five-person board. So, or more could be swapped out. So, yeah, don't mistake the size of the board for a lack of control, brother. This always makes me super happy, and thank you for mentioning this to all of you who pointed out Jake Rose, at Jake Rose 24 on the good old Twitters, says, Hey, MP, first-timer over here. It's great. I love it when y'all send in questions for the first time and hopefully keep going. Do realize that, of course, we can't get to all your questions every week. Uh, huge love to Jim Kaiser trying to sprinkle in all the goodness that he can, but um, you know, sometimes folks send in a number of questions that don't get picked up, and uh, I don't necessarily always see them. But uh, if you have questions as to why, we'll, we'll try and coach you to get some in. But thankfully, thankfully, was about to say thankfully. I was going to make up a new word, y'all. Thankfully, Jake Rose asks, could McLaren's commitment to IndyCar and the F1 budget cap lead to more F1 teams partnering with smaller IndyCar teams down the road? Great question, Jake. I don't think so. I want to be proven wrong. I want nothing more than for you and others to dunk on me in a year or six months or however whatever period of time, when two or three F1 teams uh, either put their own team into IndyCar or partner with someone, I want to be a 1,000% wrong. The reason why I don't think I'll be, but hope I will, McLaren's role here is a byproduct of Zach Brown, of the fine person who is Zach Brown, the fine American who is Zach Brown. Brown. Uh, without Zach, there's no McLaren in IndyCar. This is something that he loves, has loved, has wanted to be involved in on the team slash ownership side for a good long time. And despite making many, many, many sponsors happen for IndyCar teams for many years uh, with his former marketing business, this is a California guy who lived forever in Indiana uh, and just super steeped in IndyCar, Indy 500, NASCAR as well, and other series, but IndyCar has always been his passion. Former junior open-wheel driver, talented, right? Not IndyCar F1 grade, but definitely road to Indy level talent. This is him, Jake. And so that's why I'm thankful, but I'm also mindful of yeah, the guys over at Alpine slash Renault aren't exactly wanting to start their own IndyCar team right now. Uh, Mercedes, yeah, they're they're doing okay. They don't need an IndyCar team. They're doing just fine in F1. Run down the list. There aren't 
many that would come to mind as trying to do something in IndyCar. We know that Ferrari said they were thinking about it and on the engine side and this, that, and the other. And, you know, uh, it felt like a red herring from the beginning. Uh, we were told that it wasn't, but it just felt like it wasn't particularly real and ended up not being real. But, yeah, I'll tell you this. I sure hope that Zach speaks with other F1 team principals. Maybe I'll ask him about that this weekend. I hope that he communicates his passion, the affordability, the value, the all the many things that are positive about being involved in IndyCar. I hope he communicates that to his other team principals. I don't know how many ask, but I would love to find out if there are some who do ask and have an interest in IndyCar because that'd be amazing. Uh, let's see. Sam Anadiotis. How you doing, Sam? Feels like it's been a little while. Um, says, hey, MP. Continued prayers for you and your wife and the cats, of course. Well, thank you. Uh, Rocky's been jumping up and down on the desk a couple times, so uh, not a surprise here. Uh, we got another leader circle question here. So, Sam, yours is the first says con- uh, continued person. I was just about to reread exactly the intro of what I just read. Oh boy! I never told you guys I'm absolutely hot trash at what I do. Um, I am, but uh, if you're listening, I think you've accepted it by now, and that's probably why you pray for me, Sam. I know you pray for my wife for the absolute most valid reason of her healing and restoration. In Jesus' name, Amen sneaking suspicion your prayers for me are just to be less of a moron or at least a more functioning moron uh he says hey felix rosenquist finally got his first top 10 of the season at nashville uh still sitting 23rd in the entrance points leader circles leader circle says 10 points behind the uh, 48 entry driven by jimmy johnson and tony canon uh he says who do you like at this point to secure the final leader circles contract Felix with the number seven or Jimmy and Tony with the 48 says also if that seven Aaron McLaren SP car ends up in 23rd, could it potentially be an issue for Felix in terms of being around next season at the team, even though he has a multi-year contract on the latter part? No, I don't think so. Uh, considering the crash that he had missing a couple races and, you know, um, I think there's a full understanding that it's been a rough year. Finally had a little bit of that pressure release at Nashville with a, uh, very solid run to eighth. But yeah, uh, there, there's a couple of, uh, you know, doctor's notes, a couple of ex- worthy excuses to not have him be, you know, uh, the quote culprit for being close to, uh, or I shouldn't say close to the first car out of the leader circle, knowing that it only, uh, awards the million dollar contracts to the top 22 yeah so the real answer to this i know that you've mentioned felix and you know it's kind of been a felix and uh, aaron mclaren sp centric question sam the answer to it is really and truly jimmy johnson and the 48 so jimmy has had a non-complimentary rookie season it's been tough and rough he has Definitely learned. Nashville, unfortunately, worst event of the year for him. The multiple, multiple crashes. The one in turn 11, the the Will Power Memorial 
cars and coffee event there. Um, not Jimmy's fault, obviously. But before that, rough weekend led to, again, starting at the back, and he ended up finishing 26th out of 27 cars. So for that number 48 Chip Ganassi Racing Honda, uh, the issue is this. Five races left to go. We have another street course here coming up at Long Beach. Hopefully he'll do well there, but that's going to be a new one for him. Um, if you look at where we're going back to this weekend, Indy Road Course should do well, right? So this is returning to a place that he knows. If you look at everything else in his calendar, he's been to Portland to test. He's been to Laguna twice. Should be okay at both. Those are also really high-commitment tracks to get ultimate lap time. Portland's not the most complex thing in the world, but you do have to have full faith and knowledge of what the vehicle's going to do. And that's the thing that's been lacking from Jimmy's development. Knowing the car, trusting the car, being ahead of the car, not being constantly surprised when it does something, and then you know, being behind on his reaction. So I share these things because... Indy Road Course, to me, it's the one track left for Jimmy since he's doing four of the five remaining. This weekend, it's going to be his best shot to put up a good result. After that, we go to Gateway. Tony Kanon gets in the car. This leader circle, I would say, is 100% down to our man, Tony Kanon and whatever he can do at Gateway. The decent-ish place where the 48 car was um, not too long ago came as a byproduct of Tony's work on the ovals. Sadly, we don't have a lot of ovals this year, so not a lot of opportunities for Tony to jump in, do big things you know, as, as well as he can to earn gobs of points, to help things. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, Tony finished, what, 11th, and then I think like 14th or 15th uh, at Texas. Um, then we have, what, I think he was like 9th or 10th at Indy, double points. That really helped things a lot. Yeah. So, just saying. Whatever Jimmy does this weekend is probably going to be his best output of the remaining road and street course races. And therefore, we need a Tony Kanon third, fourth, fifth, something. I mean, he could win the thing easily at Gateway. Um, but we need a really strong finish from him to haul that car forward in entrant points. I just don't see Jimmy at this stage of the career with what he has or hasn't been able to do being the guy to uh, keep him off the hook. Granted, uh, of the of the two entries in the field, Sam, that I'm least worried about financially, if the 7 or the 48, uh, or of the two cars I'm not worried about if they were to miss out in the leader circle, it's these two. The funding available to and through uh, Arrow and what McLaren brings to the table, like, of course they're going to want that million dollars. I'm not saying they're just going to go, oh, well, oops, not a big deal. I mean, it's not like they can go dig through the couch 
to find that million, but I'm not worried about that car. By any means, they'll make it up if they have to. They'll find it. Same with the 48. Uh, so, you just would hope no one's going through those grave, uh, grave difficulties uh, where that million dollars is a pretty important contributor to the overall budget. Uh, our pal Mark Gillespie, a man of whiskey. Mark Gillespie. Uh, says, looking more and more like the number 59 Carlin car may be outside the leader circle, top 22 at the end of the season. Does that make it more likely that Carlin and Chilton will not return next year? Ask that question of the fine person who is Stephanie Carlin. And she said she wasn't fully up, up to where exactly they were in the entrance when I asked that, I don't know, a month ago or whatever. But they've been in this situation for a little while now especially with Max missing, what was it, the uh, the, Indy, is it the Indy Road course that he missed? Uh, I apologize if I'm forgetting exactly what it was. Um, or Texas? Uh, heck, I don't know. Um, well, he obviously missed Texas, dummy, because he's not doing the uh, ovals. Um, yeah, with him missing the Indy GP, that certainly set them back quite a bit uh, in the leader circle. And then from there, oh boy, he did have a really happy yay for them run at Road America to 10th. Everything's uh, on the both sides of that. It's been pretty brutal. Uh, finishes in the 20s or near the 20s. And so I, barring some sort of, whoa, what happened? You guys got a third turbocharger on your Chevy engine type deal. I'm struggling to see how they make it inside the leader circle, at least for what Steph said, which wasn't particularly attached to anything related to where they were or weren't in terms of earning a leader circle. Um, She said, yeah, we'll be back next year. And there you go. Uh, Truly not uh, no dramas in what she said said that Max is, you know, fully planning and preparing and everything to uh, uh, come back next year. So that's what I've been told. If there's a change to that, we'll find out. But at the moment, and at least going into the off offseason, uh, I have no reason to believe that uh, Steph was telling me anything other than the truth. So, again, we'll uh, hopefully stand on that for what it is, Mark. Uh, let's see. We are let me, just taking a quick little look here for where we are in the show. Yeah, we're, we're not necessarily on a poll app, but we're making very good time. Um, I need to get dinner going for Mrs. Pruitt here quickly. Uh, Christian Lungard is a topic that we're going to get into here with three fine folks uh, at the underscore crisper uh, from the Twitters. I don't know what that means, but I love the screen name. Said, love to know how the sausage gets made in the Christian Lingard drive. Who called who and why? Who's paying who and how much? You know, that's a, let me answer that. I love that. Uh, as if they would share that information. How long has this been in the works? What is he doing to prepare? As he'll only get one hour of practice before qualifying. Uh, all great questions. The CRISPR. I would have to assume he has been simulating as much as he is able to. Beyond that, I don't know if there's a lot more that he could do. So I bet you whatever iRacing rig he has, he has been iRigging a plenty. 
Uh, I rigging, I racing a plenty. And I, uh, boy, yeah. I, so I just laugh at myself, my own dumb osity uh, here. So I would say that for someone as relatively obscure as a Christian Lingard coming into IndyCar hemisphere, this would, and I will find out if I'm wrong, but this just seems like every time someone in Europe realizes that, hey, I want to go to Formula One. It's not exactly going according to plan. Uh, Formula 2 is not cheap. It's not crazy expensive, but I think I could do something in IndyCar. Probably need to find a little bit more money, but IndyCar is probably the most realistic route for me to continue my career. I can be a part, as he is, of the Alpine Driver Academy or whatever they call it, and do simulator work or maybe a little bit of testing thing here or there, but there's a lot of kids that are Christians age or similar who have some form of, I'm the test driver here, I'm the reserve driver there. I don't know how many they, how many laps in a Formula One car they get per year, but it's just not much. It's not much at all, and they almost never go anywhere career-wise in Formula One. In many instances, they are not being paid to be that test driver, reserve driver. They're paying the team to be first alternate or second alternate. So it's a little insane. I don't know if any of those things are true with Christian and his Alpine relationship, but I can tell you that if we're not talking about the guy or or the woman who's running first or second or third in a major championship that would be somewhat comparable to IndyCar, it tends to be that person or that person's father, mother, or manager reaching out to IndyCar team saying, hi, need to try and find a home for my kid. And if that's not the case with Christian, again, that'd be awesome. But this kind of thing has played out countless times with drivers who we didn't really know before they got here, weren't exactly you know setting the world on fire in F2, GP2, F3000, whatever it is, and yet hope to uh, do a little bit of a, a career reboot, young in life, and see if they can make something stick. So, yeah. Uh, that's usually how these things work. Uh, Austin Sutton mentions that with Lungard racing with Ray Hollard and Lanigan and Alpine commenting on how they're watching the series with interest to see how he does. Is it safe to assume that Alpine Renault slash Nissan is committing to be the third engine manufacturer? Seems only logical. Yes, you figured it out, Austin. In order for that automotive group to make engines, they've decided to take a reserve whatever f1 driver who's not having a particularly awesome year in formula two um and have him in a third rail car (laughs) because that's the way you decide to become an engine manufacturer i assume what you sent was sent with a smiley face that maybe got dropped off uh, in the cutting and pasting because yeah um if they wanted to make engines they would uh, Nissan, since there's no Alpine or Renault being sold in the U.S., uh, Nissan 
um, would be the only one to stand out. And Nissan has run away and hid from doing anything really serious in motorsports in North America. So, yeah, I would put this down to um, they hope the kid finds something that works and he likes it, and I don't know if there'd be any money or support or anything behind it from uh, Alpine and whatnot, and I don't mean, like, the full budget. I mean, hey, you know, maybe one of our associate sponsors might be interested. Maybe there's a B2B angle somehow. Again, who knows, but... um, This just reeks of we don't have anything for you in Formula One and we hope that you find something that you like and is fulfilling in IndyCar. And what better way to get a feel for whether you would want to do IndyCar than uh, during the summer break to go do an IndyCar race. So, And who knows if he'll do more. But uh, knowing that the next race is two weeks after Indy on an oval... We'll see. Uh, Samuel Mills closing the Lungard uh, topic here. Says, I'm excited to see him debuting this weekend. Said, with that, my question is, what do you see as a better ladder to IndyCar in terms of competition? Says, I love Indy Lights and the rest of the Cooper tires. Road to Indy. But it just feels like drivers that come from that European F1 ladder seem to be a bit better. Of course, with exceptions on both sides says, I do think even with no ovals in the European Junior Open Wheel Series, it's great. It's a great way to get to IndyCar and be successful. Would love to hear your thoughts. Well, let's go and look at who is in the NTT IndyCar Series that would support the suggestion that the European Open Wheel uh, ladder system delivers drivers that are just a little bit better than their road to Indy counterparts. Um, didn't happen with Scott Dixon. Didn't happen with Pato Ward. Didn't happen with Joseph Newgarden. Uh, didn't happen with Graham Rahal. Uh, I know that Colton Herta, when he was like a fetus, did a year of Formula 4, but uh, he definitely developed heavily over here. So Colton Herta... Uh, Renus VK switched over here pretty darn early, uh, and he's not so bad. Um, Will Power uh, definitely developed himself here. Uh, Simon Pagano developed himself mostly here. And I'm not saying European and or wherever else in the world drivers didn't spend time in some sort of you know regional formula something, but if we're talking really getting ready for what they're doing, right? We know that both Pagano and Power over here racing in Atlantics, then on to Champ Car. Um, Jack Harvey, yeah, uh, long stand. Uh, granted, definitely had a European career, but uh, spent many years in Indy Lights pre- preparing himself. Uh, same with Ryan Hunter Ray, uh, James Hinchcliffe as well. Um, Connor also had some, definitely put in some time in Europe, but he also put in a lot of time here, um, leaving Indy Lights to go over and do. Uh, stuff in Europe, and on and on and on. So, yeah, I'm not really seeing the supporting stuff behind that suggestion, Samuel. Uh, I if it if I saw it, I'd say it. But the kid that is coming up, torching things from the road to Indy, who developed from what Pro Mazda up and on. 
Um, that would be Pato Award, P3 in the championship right now. Joseph, again, we know that he had uh, some European stuff, but by and large, Road to Indy product. Uh, Graham Rahal, we could see that as well. Um, you know, Rossi, definitely someone who focused his career on Europe and came here and was in really great shape when he got here. But uh, I wouldn't say that if he, the only reason he's doing well is because he went the European route. If he'd stayed here and done this route, I think he'd be just as good. Um, but I look at the next generation stars, Renus, Colton, Pato. Uh, they got a road to Indy all over them. And show me the other drivers, comparable age uh, and whatnot, coming off of a European ladder where they're anything to be worried about. Uh, granted, if there was the top driver, top two coming out of F2, um, GP3, F whatever, then yeah, uh, we could certainly hopefully have a little bit more data-based conversation on this, but I just don't see it. I mean, Alex Pillow is a wonderful outlier where you go, well, this guy's just super talented. Uh, And he developed a lot in Japan. (laughs) So um, talent, man, talent, talent, talent. Um, Let's see, where do we go next for fun and amusement? Mitsuki Matsura says, hey, MP, sending positive vibes for you. And I'm receiving them, Mitsuki. Says Christian Lingard making his debut, but fellow F2 driver Marcus Armstrong was spotted in Nashville last Sunday. I think I've never heard of his name in your Silly Season-related article so far this year. Is his name going to appear in your next Silly Season update? I'm sure. I'm sure I'll pop it in. Uh, I reached out to our man Scott Dixon to say, hey, you got any thoughts? on uh, your fellow Kiwi, and I didn't hear back from him. So, you know, he's a busy guy. You know, life, champion, kids. Uh, I know where I fall in the rank of importance in his world. But, uh, yeah, hoping to learn a little bit more. I'd be lying if I said I really knew a lot about uh, young Mr. Armstrong. But, yeah, uh, the the Romain Groschamp effect is real, which I, I've mentioned and written about Mitsuki. We've got young drivers looking here from Europe to a degree that we haven't seen for a while. We've got mid-career, early-ish career veterans looking here as well. Uh, this guy is, is inspiring folks who feel like what they currently have in Formula 1, Formula 2, whatever, or what the future might hold for them, somewhat limited. So, hey... This Groschon guy, totally unfulfilled in Formula One for the last many years, takes a flyer, goes to America, and guess what? Living his best darn life. Uh, I think think it's infectious, and I'm really happy that it is happening not only for him, but that others are seeing it. Formula One's amazing. There's nothing other than that to say. It's amazing. You can be in Formula One in a quality car. You're going to take it every time. There are so few opportunities to get in and play that the I'm going to bang my head against the wall hoping that I can smash through and get into F1 somehow for years and years and years. That's a thing that people have done for a long time. 
and rarely, and then all of a sudden you get to see them competing in sports car events or somewhere else because that dream died and they waited long enough to where whatever shine they had faded anyone that might have been interested in them and indycar elsewhere is kind of yeah you know once upon a time you might have been interesting to us i think we've got some drivers definitely under 30 who are saying yeah i don't know if i need to wait that long it looks like this is a good thing to do now uh thanks romain Groschon. uh dave evans says this seems like a simple question but i don't know the answer how are drivers split into qualifying groups one and two on road and street courses is it random assignment goes off of as i seem to recall dave the finishing order of the previous practice session whatever practice session number it might be just prior to qualifying it is set that way and it's done by odds and evens and there you go so in theory whomever finished first third fifth and whatever is lumped into the first group and then second fourth whatever is lumped into the second uh and if i'm wrong someone please tell me uh let's see barry lee zmp why is it so hard to get these cars into reverse is the the next generation car will have self starters i believe so that will help them getting fired up when they're stalled but it's always frustrating watching them struggle to find reverse well i can't argue with you barry it's a great point uh let me take another sip here stepped in hairball <laughs> from reddit says uh marshall glad you've been covering indycar while robin's been laid up well thank you um i don't know if you know this i've been covering indycar for like i don't know 10 11 12 years so uh it says you guys make a great team i agree uh he's he's the star member of the team though says uh, i've been pondering this question all season so far did andretti make changes to engineers and key people that is resulting in the off seasons uh for the off seasons as in not great seasons for rossi hinch and ryan hunter ray says i know the driver engineer relationship can make or break a season just wondering if this is uh what's going on besides other drivers hitting rossi no changes for rossi or ryan hunter ray hinch returning to the team uh he is working with the mightily awesome garrett mother said so Rossi and Jeremy, oh boy, that wacky, wacky guy, Jeremy Millis, still together. Um, still, I think, pretty amazing. Ryan Hunter Ray and Ray Gosselin, who've been together for a decade plus, they're still together. So uh, no, no real changes there. Uh, let's see. Tony Chef 20, also from Reddit, says there was a lot of cross promotion from NBC for IndyCar on the NASCAR broadcast for the Music City Grand Prix. Do you think these efforts will continue into the future? And do you think these efforts will be successful? Uh, also says, side note, where can I buy gobs of Husky chocolate? So it's a chocolate drink. So that's the thing that it's taken me a little while to grasp. It's not a Husky bar. Uh, it's a chocolate drink. And I'm told that it's real. <laughs> I've never seen it here anywhere. Uh, maybe it exists. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll take this on faith. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'll ask Marcus tomorrow. 
since he's our guest or today or whenever the heck you're listening to this, uh, I'll ask Marcus. Maybe he can tell me, like, have you actually seen this for sale in the good old United States of America or Europe or the planet Earth? Uh, so we'll hopefully find out. Um, as for the cross promotion, I think Sunday was was rather unique in that NBCSN opened with a NASCAR race, moved into an IndyCar race, and then moved into a tape-delayed IMSA race. So packed Sunday with many, many hours of motor racing, therefore made a lot of sense to cross-promote everything. Do I think that's going to happen a ton in the future? I don't know, but I'd hope so. Uh can NASCAR stop NBC from promoting IndyCar on their broadcasts? I don't know. I mean, I couldn't tell you what the contract says, but do I think they'd get a little uh, bumpy and grumpy if they felt like there was too much of, uh, hey, Cup fans, watch the open wheel guys either right after or tomorrow or tonight or whenever? I don't know. Um, seems like there is no hesitation whatsoever by NBC to blast nascar promos throughout every indycar session so i'd hope it'd go both ways and and i don't know uh benefit both but yeah a little bit of an interesting thing obviously this weekend we've got uh indycar on saturday the cup race on sunday so i would expect to see more of it there's just probably not going to be a huge lead-in to the indycar event like we had on sunday uh just a couple more to go y'all which makes me really happy uh, Ed Roberts says, with NBC streaming all races in 2022 on Peacock, what does this mean for individuals in the Indianapolis TV market for the Indy 500? Would a local blackout be extended to Peacock? Uh, also, continued prayers for uh, you and your rock star wife on her continued journey. Thank you, Ed. Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, <laughs> hard to predict what they would be doing next year with streaming for the biggest race would say you know it's always easier to default to the sellout right all right uh assuming that covid's no longer a, a limiting factor next year noting that it was this year in terms of a capped crowd size would they say hey um hopefully if we have a sellout or something close to a sellout that we will allow this to be streamed in the local market I don't know. Uh, They have made a thing, though, right, about every race is going to be live streamed. I didn't see any small print, any fine print, Ed, saying except for local markets and blah, blah, blah. Uh, I know that's very much of a football thing. I know that it's also been very much of an Indy 500 thing for many, many years uh, with one or two exceptions Great question. I don't have an answer to it. Uh, Let me highlight this, and the next time I speak with someone at IndyCar who might be able to answer, um, I'll see if they can. And also, if I speak to someone from NBC, uh, I'll try and remember to pose that to them as well, Ed. Uh, There we go. All right, we've got three questions left. Uh, This is from Reddit with a screen name of Boiler Up Bang Bang. And the boiler up is all caps, and the bang bang is not. So there you go. Uh, What's up with all these Chip Ganassi racing airs this season? And especially this past weekend. 
They've now given their points leader, Pelot, two engine penalties worth, uh, six starting grid positions each, and they took out Jimmy uh, Jim Jam Johnson with some clearly illegal tampering with the car under red. Obviously, they got a 1-2, but these are some weird errors for a team with five wins this season. Well, yeah, um, kind of buried the lead a little bit here. Boiler up, bang, bang. Obviously, they got a 1-2. Yes, they did. Uh, so... You know, when you finish first and finish second, I don't know how grumpy you can be about uh, errors, knowing that their drivers are currently first, second, and fifth in the championship. Uh, also, pretty good indicator that not a lot of errors uh, limiting things for them in general have been definitely earlier in the year with Erickson's number eight car. Pit lane was not always a very friendly place to be. Um, Jimmy... He hasn't had a great year on his own, so even without uh, any errors there, you know, is he finishing 10th without any mistakes by the team or any contact? I would say not. How's this? I believe Pelot's first engine change unapproved. Again, I could be wrong, but I believe the first one was from his crash at Indianapolis. I believe that engine was not able to continue being used if i'm wrong again uh, i'm sure i'll be told the engine problem that was experienced in portland right keep in mind yeah crashing and damaging an engine certainly that's on a driver i don't know if that's on a team and an engine problem just in isolation and testing i I don't know how you blame a team for that so yeah uh, I don't really see anything here that's um, really on this theme in relation to Polo. The not understanding the red flag rules with uh, Jimmy's car, a little bit of a surprise for sure. Um, have not inquired yet as to what or why. Also be really honest, once I file my uh, cool down lap post race debrief thing on racer and then finish the last Q and a episode kind of stop digging into what happened in the past and, and pivot towards what's ahead. But yeah, that was a surprise for a team that's normally so on, on target with every little aspect. Like, yeah. Um, Hmm. Curious for sure. But other than that, I mean, yeah. Uh, the team that is currently doing incredibly well and better than any other team this season through 11 races, I don't know if I'd, I'd really cast them under the what's up with all these errors this season type blanket. Uh, so there you go. Penultimate question. Andrew Campbell from Facebook. What a crazy screen name. Um, Marshall, uh, Say thanks for sharing the latest news in the home front, the ongoing battle that your wife continues to confront. Uh, says, sorry to hear that. Uh, and you continue to pray for us. It's really sweet, Andrew. Thank you. So I read a story earlier this year that Scott Dixon, Joseph Newgarden, Alexander Rossi, and Pato Award tested at IMS using the push-to-pass system at uh, high boost 1.5 bar to simulate the burst of released energy from a kinetic energy recovery unit. Just wondering what the outcome was, what the drivers thought, and how this might work in IndyCar. 
come 2023 with the new hybrid system coming in. Uh, yeah, uh, I think, at least for what we published on that, there were all those answers that you're seeking here. Um, quickly, I can tell you that Dixon wasn't a big fan. Now, this was a real-life simulation that they were attempting. Well, they did, but they were attempting to replicate what they think uh, Kerr's energy deployment is going to be like. And at least in the conversations that I had with one or more of the folks you've mentioned here, um, it felt like there might have been a little bit of, of scope creep, as it's called. It gave the impression that it turned into more of a using push to pass at the speedway and what that does and how to get past people. And it's a passing tool compared to, well, what is this going to be like in theory when the, uh, the electric horsepower comes in. And so I know that for what IndyCar has said so far, they are thinking of using that 80 to hundred horsepower in a push to pass capacity. Um, so if it is just press the button and go what they were testing and how they were testing perfectly aligned with what IndyCars think they might do. If they decide to release that energy in a different way, um, if it's more of a torque fill coming off of the corners or if you're off throttle and whatnot and it fills in and it's less of a driver manip or a non-driver manipulated thing, but an actual um, just automated uh, release of power, um, then maybe that's not uh, something that got achieved during that test. So the overall framing that I got from it was not something they were super pleased about on a super speedway. Now, when we do have this hybrid system coming in, or hybrid system, hybrid power plant with the Kerr system adding in to the internal combustion engine, which then makes it a hybrid, any 500 is going to be the big deal, right? That's going to be the big marketing and promotions thing. That's where the auto manufacturers that are uh, involved here are going to want to have this demonstrated. Hey, we're spending all this money to go hybrid. Uh, in some way, shape, or form, this needs to be on display and demonstrated during the Indy 500. And so is that on track? Is that on restarts for a limited amount of time? Is it just on pit lane where coming on to and everything you do on pit lane is engine silent and it's all done through electric propulsion? I don't know. I think that's still a, a big question mark. I'm hoping IndyCar has or will answer soon and hope to learn about what they're really thinking here. Because doing the road and street courses with a hybrid uh, engine, we've seen that. We know what it is. That's really easy to understand. Hey, coming out of the hairpin at Long Beach, boop, hit the button, 80 to 100 electric ponies added on top of your internal combustion engine and boom off like a rocket seen that in formula one for a long time uh, wherever they race here 
ovals. Yeah, some strategy involved for sure. All right, last question. Uh, truly the last question for this week. And I appreciate that we're uh, not solely stuck into Nashville. Our pal Austin Sutton says, MP, last week you mentioned watching IndyCar races requires two or three screens for the whole picture compared to an F1 broadcast. So I've been trying to improve my IndyCar viewing experience, and that sounds like a great place to start. What screens or audio do you use during a race that I would have access to? Any other advice you can give on how to view in addition to the NBC broadcast? Uh, You bet. So I often, not always, but often use the straight-up IndyCar timing and scoring. So that will be running. I'll be checking that, looking at driver's lap times, um, looking at tire changes. Obviously, road and street courses going from uh, alternates to primaries and back and forth. Try and get a feel for last time they pitted. Just right, trying to use the word strategery again. Try and understand, trying to contextualize what I'm seeing. And so it helps me to understand if someone is lagging. Is it tire-related? Are they, when did they last stop? Are they trying to stretch fuel? Just, again, whatever the thing might be. Uh, Have they been on a set of tires for a long time, and that's why speed is not their friend? Um, That kind of stuff. Uh, I have a friend who has a alternate IndyCar timing and scoring solution. I'd mention that, but he asks me not to. So there's that. Uh, Firestone. uh, Let me see if I can pull this up here. Firestone has a uh, timing and scoring option that they populate. And I apologize because I don't exactly have it sitting in front of me here and ready to pull up for you. Uh, But Firestone does indeed um, have a solution where they do their best to update uh, who's on what tires and when and for how long and what kind. Are they new? Are they used? Are they whatever? So uh, that is something that I will take a look at uh, if and when needed. Beyond that, tend to stick to the broadcast audio. Uh, rarely do I switch over and use the uh, IndyCar radio during the race itself. And that's not a critical statement against IndyCar radio. Just find that uh, they will be seeing many things or calling a lot of things out that are awesome, but not necessarily what's on the screen uh, because they're not playing to the screen. And you might think, well, hey, aren't you going to learn a bunch of stuff that's different? Very possible that I could. But at least in terms of following something in a linear capacity, uh, I do find that it's a lot easier for me to hear the voices that are speaking to exactly what is happening right in front of me. Um, That Firestone Racing Solution, uh, it is livetiming.net forward slash firestone and so really simple and that does give you a great idea of who's trying to do what from a tire use and length standpoint we know that indycar will post and granted i rarely think to share this maybe i should get better at that but uh, they will send out a pdf of tire starting tire choices 
uh, per driver, who's going to be on primaries, who's going to be on alternates. Once you know that, you get a pretty good feel for how strategy might go, knowing that on the road and street courses that uh, you must spend time on both tires during the race. So if someone's starting on primaries, know that they're going to have to go to alternates at some point in time. If the alternates have been shown either in practice or qualifying to have a non-great lifespan, often see uh, the majority of drivers start on them so that they can get off of them as soon as they can uh, and then spend the rest of the race on the primaries. Or again, it could be the other way around. Whatever is the best, uh, you tend to see folks trying to go along with those and instead of short. And then for the drivers who've had poor qualifyings, not uncommon to see them go the opposite route. Whatever the ones who've had proper happy qualifyings, not uncommon to see those who were uh, on the outside looking and say, well, we got to switch things up from the beginning and go the opposite direction on tire choices. So those tend to be about all that I need. I don't say this to sound any kind of way, but as you do this long enough, you kind of know what you're looking for and what you want to know. And so instead of bombarding myself with all kinds of information, uh, I tend to streamline a little bit. And if I need something that isn't on the broadcast screen or the series timing and scoring, I can go elsewhere and find some of those things. Granted, uh, if IndyCar were to just straight-up copy Formula One's graphic usage and information conveyance, which I'm just saying, please do it. Don't be bashful. Just copy it. And the broadcasts are going to be so much better. Um, I probably wouldn't need to look much outside of what was on the good old television screen. Friends, this is it. We're done for the week with a listener Q&A. Our man Marcus Erickson will be here, hopefully telling us funny and interesting things. I can't wait to ask him what time he got to bed. I do know that our pal Brad Goldberg, his race engineer, told me that he texted him late, uh, or I should say early in the morning, um, and got no response. And so he didn't think it was because he was asleep, but because he might have been enjoying himself somewhere, as he should. So, all right, y'all. I'm Marshall Pruitt. This is our little thing we do together each week powered truly driven and inspired by you all supported by the great people at cooper tires who make the road to indy possible the justice brothers that make everything possible and our our super awesome pals at trinomotorsports.com who do nothing but really and truly think of ways to say thanks to all of you and do fun stuff that you just might enjoy uh, from their vast options with motor racing memorabilia stickers t-shirts hats models uh tattoos uh koozies they got it all torontomotorsports.com look forward to speaking to y'all next week and hopefully you'll enjoy a little slice of sweden marcus erickson coming up next